Hi, you're listening to The Cardigan, a special series from Selfie, focusing on the intersection of psychology and self-care. I'm Kristen, a licensed therapist, a skilled catastrophizer, and mom of four. And I'm Matthias, a licensed therapist, side-eye aficionado, and a dog dad. We're going to be taking your mental health questions, chatting about our own journeys, and looking at psychology in the media. We hope you learned something about yourself, the people you love, and the world of mental health and maybe laugh a little along the way. So go grab some tea and your favorite cardigan and we'll meet you on the couch. Today's sponsor is my favorite kind of company. They make great products while making the world a better place. Fazil is a company that works in collaboration with artisans in India to make gorgeous wool goods while providing fair wages for the women who make their products. The women Fazil employs create cozy handmade items like warm socks, hats, and mittens in really beautiful traditional patterns. I had a chance to talk to Vanessa, one of the founders of Fazil. She and her husband moved from Canada to India in 2015 and started working with an orphanage. They have a passion for both caring for orphans and preventing children from being orphaned in the first place. They donate a significant portion of profits to children's homes and provide sustainable jobs for hundreds of Indian women in need. Fazil believes every person has the right to dignified work and ethical wages, and as such, they are certified with the Fair Trade Federation for accountability. Their vegan blend of a Acrylic and nylon means the warmth of wool without the itch, and long-lasting durability and warmth. And guys, their products are cute. If you're looking for some great winter wear or some gifts that give back for the holiday season that's approaching, keep Fazil in mind. You can check out their products at shopfazil.com. That's shopfazl.com. Hey guys, well, welcome to our next episode of The Cardigan, presented by Selfie. I'm here with Matthias. Hey. Hey. Okay, well, we got our listener feedback was like, we want to make sure you guys keep doing the check-ins, which I love. (laughs) I love that too. (laughs) I know. So Matthias, what is your check-in? You know, so my therapist is still on paternity leave. Okay, rude. I know, right? Like, <laughs> how dare they have lives? Totally, and I, 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 it's you know, it's hard. It's one of those things where I, I'm like, oh, this shouldn't be that big of a deal. I'm just not seeing my therapist, blah blah blah. But really, I mean, I notice the difference that I'm not mm-hmm. seeing him, mm-hmm. and we're not getting to process like all those things that I would just kind of be able to get out with him. Yeah. Uh, I'm still holding kind of to myself with myself. So, um, yeah, I, I, I notice it. So a little bit more anxiety. Yeah. A little bit more just like it's not depression, but just like meh kind of feeling. I think that's yeah. the weather too. Seattle's getting dark. but Just kind of feeling like unmoored a little bit, do you think? like? Yeah. 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 I think that it, like unmoored and un, unprocessed. If the- yeah. <laughs> yeah there's it's just like all a little glop inside of me um, yeah yeah did you usually see your therapist once a week uh i'm just recently moved to every other week yeah uh but yeah, yeah for six seven years i was seeing him weekly yeah nice yeah yeah that's hard yeah. i would imagine that's a big transition it is a big transition yeah yeah, yeah. and I, I may go back up to weekly yeah. soon just to you know get it all out again so yep 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 play catch up <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how long is he out for 
I, you know, I think just a month. I think that's what he told me. Yeah. Um, so I think I'll, I'll be able to start seeing him again here pretty soon. But Well, yeah. I don't know if you um, saw what Matt Walsh on Twitter had to say about paternity leave, but oh, apparently yeah. it's not necessary. So Right. I mean, what's... What is what's a man gonna do? What's a man gonna do? Yeah, because if you're not breastfeeding, my experience with adopted children is because I didn't breastfeed, there was nothing to do, Matthias. Like I had nothing to do. I mean, just sitting around. Just just, I could have just gone to work and left them because I they didn't need my boobs. So right. I mean, if I knew that kids were gonna be that easy, I would have had five or six. You should have. I mean, still time. Oh, that was so frustrating. I mean, the idea that a female, like that, you know, our breasts are somehow the necessary component of, of, you know, parental leave. Right. So gross. It's disgusting. I have him blocked everywhere. I should. But somehow that one still made it through. And it's just, what a mess. Well, I was proud of myself because I, of, of course, immediately drafted a response and then i was like you know what i'm not going to bring attention to this yeah i think that's smart but i think the other thing that was interesting to me is like i mean because it was about Buttigieg and right. chastain like w- what about chastain <laughs> right well what is he doing <laughs> but i think we know the answer is that he just doesn't validate them as parents at all yeah i right. mean that's i think that's what's rooted in all of it <laughs> yeah but, but... You're 100% right, yes. Mm. So anyway, I'm glad that I withheld on Twitter, and then now I'm talking about it here on a podcast. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Excellent restraint on my part. <laughs> so proud of you. Thank you. Uh, how, I mean, how have you been, Kristen? I'm good. I mean, we were talking about this before we pushed record, but I'm in a very weird week of travel. Um, and I don't travel that often, but... Um, I started working at OnSite, which mm-hmm. if people are not familiar, OnSite is a kind of mental health wellness retreat center. Um, their flagship is in Nashville, and they do um, they do intensives for families, for individuals, for couples. And then they also do some um, residential care for substance abuse. And mm-hmm. then they have this living-centered program, which is like a group process. And so... I've heard about OnSite for years. I have many, many friends who've gone through it and found it very life-changing. And um, I ended up, I'm now working for them. That's so cool. Yeah, it's really exciting. So they have, they now have a center in Southern California. Um, and so I will go down there um, just sporadically and lead intensives for couples. I really mm. like doing couples work. Mm. Um, so I was just down there leading a couples intensive, which is really cool. Um, it's basically like a year of therapy in three days. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So it's, I really like the work, but it's very, I mean, it's called an intensive, but it is, it's intensive for them and for me, you know, it's, you're on all day with, you know, a couple that's in high conflict um, and then I have to, when I, ha- I have to stay on campus when I'm there because it's not mm. quite close enough for me to drive in and out. Sure, sure. So <sighs> I was just there, um, really enjoyed it. But, you know, then I come home and like everything's waiting for me, you know, yeah. m- my desk is a pile of papers. Um, and then tomorrow 
um, I leave for, um, I get together with a group of girlfriends once a year. And actually, we have the um, the six of us have done a couple interviews for Selfie about friendship before Aww. because it's a group of um, friends that all live in different places. So anyway, we're getting together um, for our kind of annual get together, and I'm very excited. You know some of these women. Yeah. Um, Sarah Bessie wasn't able to be at our last gathering because she's in Canada, so mm. she's hopefully finally getting out of the country. So Amazing. I'm really looking forward to that. Oh, that sounds so good. I, I mean, what you're saying about intensives, though, like that is that is real. <laughs> yeah. The, like getting a year's worth of therapy done in a matter of days, but yeah. also the cost, the toll, both on you know the client and on you as the therapist. Like, they're some of my favorite things, but they're so hard. Yeah, they are hard, and I came home really tired. I mean, yeah. I came home feeling good. You know, there's kind of like a a feeling of like, I did a good day's work, you know, like, mm-hmm. or several days work. Um, but I yesterday, I fell asleep like twice in the middle of the day. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so yeah, um, and I'm an introvert. And so, you know, one of the interesting things about onsite is it's very collegial. So there's other therapists there that are um, doing intensives at the same time, and you're all living in a house together. I mean, it's like the real world therapy edition. Yeah, wow. Um, and I really, really enjoyed all the other therapists that were there, and I enjoyed the you know kind of collective spirit. But the result is that my I did not tend to my introversion needs very well because you know like yay I'm around a bunch of other therapists and we all want to talk and chat and talk shop and mm-hmm. um, I yeah I came home very introverted out. Oh, my goodness. So will that be so when you go then with this group of friends this weekend, Mm -hmm. will that be recharge space for you with friends? Or will it still be like kind of pulling on those strings? Yeah, that's a good question. And it's what's so great about this group is we're all pretty introverted. And so we will go from all of us sitting around solving each other's life problems to just sitting in complete silence and everyone just like reading a book. Mm, (laughs) Like there is a no one is hurt. Someone might just walk out and sit on the balcony. Like, we all just totally get that. And so it's really nice because I end up getting a lot of introversion time even when we're on those trips. Good. That's the best. Those are the best kind of friends. When you yes. Be yourself. It's so Not nice. to perform. Yeah. Yeah. Well. But just, you know, on, on a very practical level, I have a suitcase sitting on my bed that is unpacked that has to be repacked today. Like, that's never a great feeling. No. (laughs) You're literally like, do I just wash these exact clothes and put them back in? Yeah. (laughs) Which I think is what it's going to look like. So, and then, you know, leaving my kids is always a challenge. So. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. At at least you're not at the point of, like, checking online to see if your Airbnb has a washing machine. (laughs) This is true. (laughs) <laughs> this is true. I've done that a couple I of have times. Been that there. is not fun. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've been there too. Yeah. That is true. At least, le- fingers crossed, I'm not there. Now, I might be yeah. there tonight if I don't get this laundry done. <laughs> but not yet. <laughs> Good luck. Oh, my word. We want to take a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors. You guys know I love 
meal kits. I love meal subscription kits, but there is one real standout at a much lower price point, and that is Every Plate. Even at regular price, Every Plate is up to 58% cheaper than all of the other ones out there. In fact, one meal from Every Plate is about the same price as a cup of coffee. And Every Plate dinners are the cheaper alternative to takeout or delivery. Recipes come together in about 30 minutes, definitely faster than a trip to the grocery store and starting a meal from scratch. Every plate offers contactless delivery to your doorstep for easy home cooking on a budget. Getting dinner on the table can be a real challenge, especially in the middle of a pandemic where we're all tired of cooking and eating the same thing. Every plate can plan, shop, and deliver everything you need to cook a delicious meal at a really good price. Every plate provides easy to follow recipes and pre portioned ingredients, and it takes the stress out of dinner time. It's great for kids learning to cook and great for parents who are stressed between work and school supervision. Every plate offers a changing menu of 14 recipes per week featuring a range of flavors and ingredients so you'll never get bored. You can try Every Plate, which is a fantastic deal already, but they are giving our listeners meals for just $1.99 per meal with an additional 20% off your next two boxes by going to everyplate.com and entering the code SELFIE199. Again, that is code SELFIE199 for $1.99 per meal, plus an additional 20% off your next two boxes at everyplate.com. All right, shall we take a listener question? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so one of our listener questions is this. High-functioning anxiety, is it real or did I make this up? <laughs> I, I think it's real. I mean, I've... I fully identify as yeah. someone with high functioning anxiety. So no, I don't think it's made up. But let's talk about, I mean, it's it's not an actual diagnosis, like it's not in the DSM. Right, right. right. But what do you think it, what are what do you think are some of the hallmarks of high functioning anxiety and is it like a better anxiety quote unquote or does it have its own issues? Oh, goodness gracious. I mean, I feel like it really depends on how we define better. Like like if we define better as being able to be productive mm -hmm. or being able to like you know be be part of capitalistic society <laughs> like, <laughs> then, <laughs> then maybe it is quote unquote better but but i mean I, I think of high functioning anxiety you know as like you're still able to get things done even in the midst of a level of anxiety that is significant and I mean, those two things together, are they're not fun. I mean, I, I'd be curious. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I have spurts of high functioning anxiety, but they're short. Like, Kristen, I'd be curious, like, I mean, what's your experience been? Yeah, I mean, my experience is, and I think that, I mean, it was interesting that you said, you know, participate in capitalist society. Like, as an Enneagram 3, I think... Oh, I think a lot of us, our anxiety is kind of flavored by what our personality is. So I have high functioning anxiety, which looks like regardless of how like messed up my inner world is, I'm still going to try to pretend that everything's fine, mm -hmm. um, which then really looks like a lack of self-care. So I think people who have high functioning anxiety run the risk of a couple things. One is that um, they don't get as much support because they seem fine to family and friends. Yeah. And even to doctors. And so I've I've dealt with that even before of going in 
you know, to a doctor and then they ask you the questions like, well, are you still, you know, are you still functioning? Are you still going to work? Well, yes, you know, and are you still doing, you know, your recreational things? Well, yes, but I'm doing all those things because that's, you know, because that's a high level importance to me, but it doesn't mean that I'm not totally anxious underneath. So I think, you know, it gets minimized by family and friends. It can be minimized by doctors. And then, you know, that like hamster wheel of stay, you know, stay looking like I'm functioning, even though things are breaking down, can be a barrier to to growth and health. Mm -hmm. And and Kristen, I'm curious, because I feel like with other people I know who've who kind of are in these spaces of of high functioning anxiety, still being able to do work that <laughs> there maybe is this component too of not uh what would be the best way to say it? you're you're talking about self-care but like you know, doctors and so-and-so aren't picking up on it and, and i yeah. wonder if even you are picking up on it like like that sense of yeah this is here but i i'm still fine i can right. still do it we don't actually need to get to the bottom of this because i, I i'm functioning i'm fine yeah <laughs> Yeah. And so I think a lot of of folks with high functioning anxiety, their anxiety will manifest in things like psychosomatic issues. So headaches, IBS, you know, um, it's just going to come out physically. um, Or it might, it might end in a breakdown, you know, it might be that everything is they, they just keep, you know, on the hamster wheel working, 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 and then they just completely shut down. Yeah. 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 But yes, it is a. I think it's a very real thing. Mm-hmm. I, I do too, and, and, and I wonder. And, and this is not to dismiss the very real function of of like anxiety disorders and, and having anxiety. But but I even wonder for all of us right now how much we're in at least a, a taste of that cycle, <laughs> being yes. in the pandemic and then yes. the level of anxiety and stress that we're all under. Yeah. Um, it feels like we're all getting a, at least a, a taste of it. I think so too. And especially because, you know, I think when we were deeper in the pandemic in terms of quarantining, our lives slowed down a bit, most of us, so that we could kind of process, um, deal with. But I think as life has amped back up, you know, I mean, I know that I'm full bore back in you know, there I have a football game to go to for one kid tonight, a play to go to for another kid tonight, I'm having lunch with some friends, like, you know, life is back in full swing. But a lot of us, our anxiety is not, (laughs) you know, (laughs) our mental health is not back in full swing. So I I think a lot of us are walking around with high functioning anxiety right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is a real thing. It's a real thing. Totally. Yeah. When you have I'm curious, um, when you have anxious clients, what like orientation are you coming at? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I am kind of really, you know, depth-based psychodynamic in, mm-hmm. in general. So, so for folks who are listening or are like, what's that? It, I mean, it's a, yeah. it's a form of therapy where, you know, we're really looking at what are kind of underneath the symptoms. <laughs> what mm-hmm. are we digging deep into? And, and so you know, anxiety, I feel like anxiety is always in storied. There are always places we can go with 
you know, like a question I ask often is, is this a familiar feeling? Anxiety mm -hmm. it always is. <laughs> mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. where can we go back or even into the present of, yeah. of where there are stories around this to really start kind of figuring out what's what's going on alongside giving tools to deal with the with the reality of like this is still happening here and now <laughs> like we, can, yeah. we can't we can't just like tell stories and get rid of it we have to work with with both i want to give an example for people who are like i don't know what you mean by by any of that um yeah. from my own therapy this week i i deal with anxiety and one of the things we started talking about we we're talking about my childhood and I was talking about feeling powerless a lot as a child. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a chaotic family life, and my mom was frequently just in a lot of crisis. We were late places, very disorganized. And, you know, when you're 9, 10 years old, you can't drive. You can't fill forms out yourself. You can't sign yourself up for a doctor's appointment. Um you know, when you're the kid that is being picked up late and you can tell that your principal's frustrated day after day, that feels very powerless. Yeah. And so we were talking about that. And then she was asking me, how does that show up in your adult life? And I, it was like that aha moment of like, oh my gosh, I do feel very, I feel that, I feel like that kid in a couple areas in my adult life. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, she's encouraging me to like, you know, how can you gain some power? How can you take yourself out of that feeling of like fatalistic, like there's nothing I can do. So right. that for me is an example of like how we look at the past and how that informs the present. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and how our bodies can, for lack of a better term, almost kind of get stuck yes. in, in these places, like our nervous systems. Yes. When, when, when we had, you know, childhood events and anxiety as children, our nervous systems learned to rest there. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not actually rest, but, you know, it, it kind of becomes the, the mode that we operate in. And, and so how do we even work with our bodies? Yeah. With, with these heightened nervous systems that we have. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And then I... I know you're not as big on CBT, but for in-the-moment anxiety, I think cognitive behavioral work can be really good in terms of sitting yourself down mm -hmm. and looking at what am I future casting? What am I fortune telling is, you know, horrible going to happen? What am I catastrophizing about? And kind of capturing it on paper and walking out like, what's the worst case scenario that could happen? And what's the evidence for that? What's the best case scenario? What's, you know, likely to happen? Can I survive it? That's always really helpful for me when I'm in the middle of like, just freaking out about something. Totally. So important like like <laughs> I, I feel like i'm constantly asking people like what's your fear yeah like, what what are you what's the worst thing that could happen yeah and can can we deal with that yeah <laughs> yeah often. and let's walk it out all the way to the end and right. and what you would do with it because i think a lot of us i know for myself we get stuck in a loop of like what if and not being able to control an outcome but we don't actually walk out the outcome and and right. look at it from all sides and say can i survive that outcome we just go what if what if what if what if right that's right. where i sit a lot yeah <laughs> today yeah, <I'm> <laughs> right now <laughs> Oh, good times. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about psychology and pop culture. Yes. What are we discussing today? Kristen, why do you think people are losing their shit on airplanes? 
<laughs> I love this question because it's at this point, this has become such a cultural phenomenon that no one knows what we're, no one doesn't know what we're talking about right now. Right. I feel like every time I open Instagram, there is a new video of a normal citizen losing it on an airplane. Yep. Yep. <laughs> losing it on other passengers, losing it on, good Lord. I mean, airplane, what are they? They're not stewardesses anymore. Attendants? Is that what we're? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Attendants. Airline yep. attendants. They're just getting berated and abused. Yeah. Day yeah, in and yeah. day out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I have been on lots of airplanes recently, and like I, I feel like just in general, the stress of an airport is so much higher for yeah. me, at least, than what it was pre-pandemic. Yes, just like being in an airport, there's tons of people around. Everyone's trying to stay distance, but you also can't. Like, I mean, yeah. there's just so much stress. But I, I think where I see it most is those places of where we're being told to do like like there's more rules mm -hmm. <laughs> and i feel like especially as people who live in the u.s maybe that's too broad of a generalization but we don't really like being told what to do we don't well, clearly we really yeah. don't yeah. yeah i mean it does seem like most of these are around mask compliance right yes right generally right. speaking mm -hmm. so here's a question and i don't know the answer to this but you know, back after 9-11, we, rules changed. They majorly changed. You could no longer walk someone to the gate. That used to be pop, uh, possible. Right. You know, it used to be, you could walk past the gate without a ticket and say goodbye to your person at the gate. So that changed. We had to reduce our liquids. That changed. We had to pull them out. Like, a lot of things changed. Mm -hmm. a, a lot of rules were put in place after 9-11. And I don't remember people freaking out about it so it's like what's different now than then yeah i mean i wonder if it's the common enemy thing like mm, talk more then, about that then we had you know, mm. for better or for worse but we had this like reason for it yes. you know we had to keep the bad people right off our airplanes uh -huh. and I, there's i mean there, i feel like there's nothing more kind of patriotic than right creating a common enemy <laughs> and it's that true. sense of we're all in this together if we all pitch in and do this like we're gonna be safer uh i i don't know if that's the case but it but it, yeah. it would make sense that to does me. make sense to me too whereas now I mean, one, we have a, a split enemy kind of based along political lines. So I feel like that's playing of, you know, there are multiple enemies <laughs> for liberals. It's the conservatives for conservatives. It's the mm -hmm. liberals. And and so I, all those things, I think, clash together in, in an airport. <laughs> on you an know, airplane. <laughs> it's really that is a really interesting psychological phenomenon in this pandemic in in a larger sense is that. COVID hasn't become a common enemy, and it should mm -hmm. be, right? Like, yeah. under the best of circumstances, we should all agree this pandemic sucks. We want to end it. We want to keep people safe. A and yeah. that would be a common enemy, right? That we were all working towards the same thing. But instead, what's happened is it's become so polarized, pol polarized that it isn't actually a common enemy. It's, I don't want COVID. And then there are other people that are saying, my freedom, you know, my freedoms are that, like, my lack of freedom is the enemy right? in the pandemic, as opposed mm -hmm. to public health. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Yeah. And 
and we get so defensive about those things. Yeah, um, some for good for good reason. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think also based, I mean, with our earlier conversation on anxiety, like I mean, whether it's anxiety or just like this general kind of platform of stress that we're all on, mm-hmm. I, I feel like that just heightens everything and and so of course some of us are going to start to break down when we hit yeah and i'm not trying to excuse or humanize necessarily maybe i'm trying to humanize but like there's no excuse for what's happening on airplanes no it's like there's no excuse but i want to understand the psychology you know it's like i want to understand what's going on in someone's head when they decide that they're reminded to pop their mask back up and they think i'm i'm gonna make a scene right now yep because it's like, I'm curious, like, are these people making scenes at the grocery store or what, you know, or is it just, as you said, is it just the stress of flying that that's the moment that they pop off? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, my mind is going to like the win- window of tolerance uh, uh-huh. and, and this idea of, you know, we, we, there's this theory that we all exist kind of in a certain window. That's our window of tolerance where we're able to function, we're able to think, we're able to kind of reflect. You know, some of us have bigger windows of tolerances than others. But but when we hit the edges of that it is when we go into our fight, flight, freeze, mm. fawn response. Uh-huh. And, and I wonder, I mean, I, I think <laughs> like we're in situations of where that stress is just pushing people over that that upper part where they're going into a, a fight or... Yeah. Fight or, or flight response. Yes. Because mm. that is where it looks like these people are at. Mm-hmm. They seem yeah. to be in limbic, like, right. lizard brain. <laughs> right. Yeah. The hippocampus is off. Yep. <laughs> and we're... And we're, the filter is off. Yep. We're yelling. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, is there anything like, you know, we're on a... Let's say I, I'm traveling by plane tomorrow. Like, you're on a plane. Someone's losing it. Is there any thing a normal citizen can do to try to bring people back from the brink or do we just ignore it like what do we do when we're confronted with this scenario Uh, you know i'd be curious what you think but i i feel like it's one of those situations where you'd have to be really good at reading someone before you try to go in and do anything because the chances of elevating (laughs) instead of bringing down i think are significant yeah and so, I mean, I would maybe, if someone was sitting next to me, maybe try to redirect them mm-hmm. to, you know, look at my face. I wonder if we can take a few breaths. Like, that kind of what I would almost do with a panic attack. <laughs> right. Um, but you'd have to be really careful there. <laughs> yeah. I feel like my priority is filming them. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. That's really, I mean, if I'm being honest, my priority is filming it and publicly shaming them. Yeah, yeah, fair. And you know, I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm not, I don't think shame's a motivator, except. Yeah. I do, I do agree with publicly shaming people behaving like this. Mm-hmm. I really do. Yeah. I Right. I think it brings a level of accountability. Uh, yeah. Yeah. In the same that... way, I have my camera out. Anytime I see a black person in a cop interacting, literally, 100%. I have my camera out and I have filmed many completely benign and respectful encounters between black people and cops in my city. And great. That's great. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to film it. <laughs> yep. yep. Just yep, yep, in yep. case. Yeah. Yeah. 
Nothing has happened yet. And my kids know, too. My boys, who are both black, they also know. They turn their camera on. Like, Kembe got so dumb. I mean, Kembe got pulled over off his skateboard, I guess, so to speak, and sat on a curb as a (sighs) 15-year-old because he was skating in the wrong place. And, you know, he very stealthily turned that voice memo on, and I heard the whole thing. Wow. So. Wow. Anyway. Yeah. Nope. I'm glad we have phones so we can do that. I am too. So, yeah, that's that's my promise to the world is um, if you act stupid on a plane, I'll film you. (laughs) I'll probably (laughs) put it on the internet. So. (laughs) Yeah. I am far more likely to just pretend like nothing is happening <laughs> are you yeah put my headphones in and pretend like i'm sleeping that's likely what i would do what's your enneagram again seven seven yeah see i don't know i have some eight vibes even though i'm an enneagram three i definitely am one who would tangle yeah i'm definitely yeah. one i yeah, would I... for sure yell at someone tell someone to calm down I, I am that person. Yeah, no, I mine would just be like, slink away. I'm not here. <laughs> They'll that's figure so it out. funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. No, my overdeveloped sense of justice would kick in and I would, I have, I have yelled at people for bad behavior on a plane before. Good for you. I wish I had that ability. I don't know, though. My boyfriend calls it my inner Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Like it's a verb. It's a, literally he. Call, it's literally a verb. You're don't get Florida. That's what he'll say. Don't get Florida. That's funny. <laughs> Which I don't know if it's really. I, I, there's so many people from New York in Florida. It's just yeah. a spicy place. It Everyone is a spicy yells. Place and it's hot there. And it's hot. I yell when I get hot too. Well, there was. Um, I can't remember who who wrote this and what it was even based on. But somebody did a survey of the angriest cities in the U.S. and Orlando was number one. Oh, interesting. <laughs> that is my hometown. <laughs> so, I didn't know that. <laughs> I 100% believe it. Like when I saw it, I was like, that totally tracks. Because first of all, everyone's hot. Yep. Second of all, it, 50% tourists oh, everywhere yeah. you are. Nobody mm. knows where they're going. Everyone drives bad. And tourists are just annoying. Yep. Uh, half of the people are from New York. It's a melting pot of, you know, people who have strong opinions. Yep. It, it makes sense to me. It, I'm angry when I'm there. <laughs> I'm very angry when I'm there. <laughs> I would like to never go back. But yeah, that's fair. That's fair. All my family is there. What are you going to do? Where's your family? All over the place. Mostly in the Midwest, but... Uh, I have a sister who lives in Mexico as well. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. That sounds better to visit than Orlando. Yes, 100%. Yeah, <laughs> hands down. So. All right. Well, that's it for today's episode. I hope you guys will come join us in our Selfie Facebook group. Hit us up with questions that you have and hit us up with any pop culture psychology related questions you have as well. Hey, thanks for listening. Just a heads up, we're therapists, but we're not your therapists. This podcast is not a substitute for therapy, and by making it, we're not rendering psychological or other professional services. If you need therapy, we recommend you track down someone to help. Join us online for more of the conversation in our Selfie Community Facebook group or on Instagram at at Selfie Podcast. 